Attention Patriots, this is the Chris Ann Hall Show. Who's going to stand up? Where are the lovers of liberty? I think that's absurd. It's ridiculous. It's unconstitutional. It's out of control. You think this is over? This isn't over. There's a liberty wave coming. I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America, to the republic for which it stands, one nation, under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice. Rise and shine, liberty-loving patriots. Welcome to the Chris Ann Hall Daily Journal. Chris Ann Hall here, K-R-I-S-A-N-N-E-H-A-L-L.com, where we are liberty over security, principle over party, and truth over your favorite personality. Welcome to the show. So glad to have you with us here today. Don't forget that you can not only find us on podcasts, but you can also find us on YouTube as a video. If you're watching us on YouTube right now, make sure that you uh, like and subscribe to our video. Make sure you ring the notification bell and sign up for notifications. You can also go to chrisannhall.com and share our videos and our YouTubes and our articles. We're going to be actually using an article from the chrisannhall.com today if you want to go back, uh, go over there and grab it. So. You can be prepared for the Liberty First classroom today. We are a teach show, not a talk show, where we talk about contemporary events in the man, in the light of constitution and principle and truth. And today's contemporary event is the uh, U.S.-Mexico-Canada Agreement, also known as the USMCA. And I want to talk to you about that, specifically about this agreement but also about treaties in, well, I was, I was about to say in general, JC, but in specific regard to the Constitution, what exactly is the treaty and what does that mean for this? And this is going to be one of those shows, JC, where I get called a never-Trumper. Well, really every show is, you, it, it's always <laughs> Trump, the Trump-Jesus yeah. versus so it's, I was noticing it's almost like you can't you can't do both in the same show because uh, apparently the American people no longer comprehend that that one person can do good and bad. It's it's either or. So even when they like you point out good things, mm -hmm. they say no, it's just a ploy to draw you into their trap, right? Because right. they can only do evil. So I, so so yeah, I think you all you have to do shows separately. This is. Of something that's bad about Trump, or this is something. This that's is good the about show Trump. where I talk about all the things that Trump does that's unconstitutional. This is the show where I talk about all the things that Trump does that's moving us back constitutionally. Right? That's what you mean, like two separate yeah. shows, because then then I can get attacked. Well, maybe if I go back and forth within a show, then they won't be able to say, you know, Chris Ann is a never Trumper or whatever. Yep. Well, no, no, no. If it's if it's the same show, they don't comprehend it. So um, they, they only hear what. So the never Trumpers only hear you say good things about Trump, and then the Trump Jesus crowd only hear you say bad things about Trump. They can't hear them. At the what same do they time. call that? Confirmation bias. Yeah, confirmation bias. Exactly. 
Confirmation bias. Yeah, but right. I think we have a bad microphone here that we swap back and forth, so we got to get rid of this guy. Okay, so that means we got to go buy a new microphone. <laughs> I don't think this one. This one's not good. All right, so um, yeah, so here we are. We are we are stuck now um, talking about this new U.S.-Mexico-Canada agreement, the USMCA. Let me just straight up tell you, uh, this is like NAFTA on crack, and it's just it's absolutely insane. And my question to you, J.C., earlier was. Um, how How is it that Trump can stand before the United Nations and give a speech that says the future is not for globalists, it's for patriots, and yet this USMCA, U.S.-Mexico-Canada agreement is, is a globalist's, you know, Christmas. <laughs> I'm, I'm trying to be, you know what I'm doing. It's a globalist's Christmas here is what I'm trying to say, right? This is, this is, Every globalist's fantasy made true. How how is that he can stand before the United Nations and say that? And here's the thing. By the way, I can tell you I can tell you this. So the listeners, the listeners on YouTube generally are our listeners. The guys in the Ooh, chat room. Yeah. So they all get it. <laughs> so like the stuff we just said applies to just about no one in the YouTube chat. But Yay. the SoundClouds. Many of them show up on SoundCloud and make and, and Facebook. Oh and my goodness! Like, okay, where are you guys listening? To? Facebook. Facebook is yeah. where the Facebook is where my haters come from. So if you're watching us on YouTube and you have Facebook, go sign up for my Facebook page so you can jump in and help me out. <laughs> yeah. So I just want to tell you because I actually read part of this. I did not read all of it. Okay. So the USMCA has 34 chapters, which is 12 more chapters than the 1994 NAFTA, which only had 22 chapters. And unlike the 1994 NAFTA, the USMCA includes chapters on labor, the environment, anti-corruption, regulatory policies, competitiveness, and Mexico's exclusive ownership of its gas line and natural resources, among some other things. Mm -hmm. But you know what? If Mexico has gas, they ought to be the exclusive owners of their gas. Right. And we ought to be the exclusive owners of our gas. Mm -hmm. We ought to be the exclusive owners of our gas pipeline. Right. And Mexico and Canada ought to be the exclusive owners of their gas pipeline. So that shouldn't really be a controversy for people. The USMCA is 1,809 pages. It's huge. It's huge. 1,572 pages for the, they call it a treaty, but it's not a treaty yet. It's just a, it's just a negotiated agreement, and you'll, we'll, we'll talk about that a little bit later. Uh, for the treaty itself, 214 pages for the annexes and 23 pages for side letters. NAFTA was only 1,700 pages long, 741 pages for the treaty, 348 pages for the annexes, 619 pages for additional footnotes and explanations. Now, let me just tell you, quite often, it's the footnotes and the annexes where you get all your problems, right? Because that's where they say, well, environment isn't defined in this way and trade isn't defined in this way, and it's all in the definitions. That's how it works. Now, little little teaching tool, a little bit of teaching tool from the teacher to the student 
If you're going to get involved in reading these things, the two first things that I all, well, let me say this, the first few things, I won't number them because I'm, I know I'm in my head, but the first things I always go to, number one is, is disputes, okay? How are the disputes handled in this agreement when the parties don't agree? That's a huge thing. Uh, number two, what is the exit procedure? If you don't want to be a party to this agreement anymore, what is the exit procedure? And number three, definitions, right? What are the definitions of the terms? Because that's where the rubber meets the road. It's, it's sort of like voting. Uh, it's not the people who vote that control it. It's the people who count the vote that control it. So it's not necessarily the language of the agreement or even the law that matters. It's how they define the terms within the law that really matters. And so that's that's kind of kind of where we're going to start. So this treaty, this treaty, stop it, Chrisanne. This agreement has even a legit treaty. It's no because a treaty is not a treaty until the Senate actually ratifies it. Mm -hmm. The president does not have the unilateral authority to make uh, treaties. Uh, the president's authority is to negotiate treaties, and the Senate has to ratify it, right? So, so can, there's can, can the Senate. Then, I mean, so that this hasn't gone through that process. Can no. they intend for it to go through that process? I can't answer that question. I, if, I don't know so that. If it did, can a treaty be like? Can the Senate add stuff to a treaty like they do law, like stick on amendments and that kind of thing? They probably have. They probably even if they can't constitution, they probably made up rules to say they can. Right. I I would see there's no reason why they couldn't make amendments mm -hmm. to it. I mean, it because it's their final authority that makes it a treaty. Yeah. So there's no reason why they couldn't make amendments to it. The, but what we're do what we have to really understand is that a treaty is specifically a contract between foreign governments. That's that's exactly what it is. We don't call it a contract. We call it a treaty. But in, in legal terms, it's a treaty. A treaty is a contract. So if the Senate were to amend the provisions within the treaty, it would have to go back to the country that we're having the agreement with. Then the country that we're having the agreement with, they would have to go through the process and tell us whether they agree to the terms or not. That's It would be part of the contract negotiations. So and and so just like any other thing that the Senate has final authority on, they can say yes or no. And specifically, um, not every deal is a treaty and not every treaty is legally binding. The uh, just, so since you've opened up this door before we get into the details of this, let's just talk about this. Uh, the power to create a treaty is created in Article two, Section two, Clause two of the Constitution. It's delegated by the states through the Constitution to the president with the approval of two-thirds of the Senate. So rule number one, an agreement doesn't become a treaty until it is approved by two-thirds of the Senate. Now, rule number two... Because the Senate represents the voice of the states. Because the Senate represents the voice of the states, and treaties are supposed to be made on behalf of trade agreements for the states. Since one of the whole reasons we created the federal government was to have a uniform voice in foreign affairs. 
so that if we're making a trade agreement with France, we don't have to have 50 different trade agreements with 50 different terms and 50 different currencies. With the federal government, what we do is we, we delegate the authority to the federal government to create treaties on behalf of the states. JC, by the way, that's where the term the general welfare clause comes in. Because under the Articles of Confederation, the federal government was making unequitable treaties because it lacked the proper uh, direction. And so the general welfare clause was added because we wanted the federal government to know that when they engage in treaties, when they engage in war, when they engage in peace, they have to do that with the entire union in mind. They can't make a treaty. Well, we're out of time for this section, so when we come back, I'll get back into that again. Liberty's lobbyist Chris Ann Hall has now taken control. Welcome back to the Chris Ann Hall Daily Journal. Remember, we are a teach show and not a talk show. And, par and, and what we teach is also taught at libertyfirstuniversity.com. If you want to have an understanding about treaties, about the role of the Senate, what the purpose of the federal government as a whole, you, you should have your training at libertyfirstuniversity.com because we're the only ones that are really bringing it to you from a purely founder's perspective. And what a better way to raise our young people up is in the founder's perspective. So now we're talking about the uh, United States-Mexico-Canada agreement. And part of the problem here is that this agreement, number one, is not a treaty yet, so we shouldn't be talking about it as a treaty. It's not binding on the states because it's not been ratified by the Senate. Now, remember, JC, we, before the break, we said rule number one is that the, uh, a treaty can't be a treaty until it's ratified by two-thirds of the Senate. There's actually a rule number two. Rule number two is found in Article 6, Clause 2, which is a supremacy clause, which says that every treaty must comply with the Constitution before it can be found uh, legally binding on the states, right? So if a treaty do, uh, attempts to make by law something that the federal government is not delegated authority over, then it is contrary to the Constitution, and then it's not binding to the states. Let me let me sort of read this this quote to you uh, that I have. Um, let's see. The power to make treaties is plainly neither the one nor the other. It relates neither to the execution of subsisting laws nor to the enaction of new ones and still less to an exertion of common strength. Its objects are contracts with foreign nations which have the force of law but derive it from obligations in good faith. They are not rules prescribed by the sovereign to the subject but agreements between sovereign and sovereign. So what that means is treaties are not supposed to be created 
to make rules and regulations on American people. They're just trade agreements between two countries. And we, I think we, we, didn't we just have this conversation the other day, JC? Treaties are not supposed to create regulations on people. They're not supposed to regulate our property. They're not supposed to regulate our business. They're not supposed to apply rules and regulations on the people. It's merely a contract between two countries saying, hey, we have oil. You want oil. We'll ship you oil. You'll pay us for oil. There's not supposed to be any fingers coming in uh, from either direction. Number one, the Constitution does not delegate to the federal government the authority to regulate our businesses internal in the state. But somebody's going to say, oh, but the Commerce Clause, Chrisanne. Well, the Commerce Clause was established so that the federal government could organize and encourage commerce to comply with these foreign treaties, not to to tell us how we have to operate our, our functions. But it sounds like this USMCA does exactly that, right? It does exactly that. Let me, let me read what Jefferson wrote in 1793. He said, I insisted that in giving the president and Senate a power to make treaties, the Constitution meant only to authorize them to carry into effect by way of treaty any powers they might constitutionally exercise. And then he says in 1800, by the general powers to make treaties, the Constitution must have intended to comprehend only those subjects which are usually regulated by treaty and cannot otherwise be regulated. It must have meant to accept out of those rights reserved to the states, for surely the President and the Senate cannot do by treaty what the whole government is interdicted from doing in any way. Right. If it's illegal under the Constitution, if it's unlawful, then it's unlawful under treaty. You if can't it's, bypass yes. the Constitution by right. putting it in a treaty. Right, exactly. So regulating how we operate our businesses is not authority delegated to Congress. Therefore, they can't create a treaty, a lawful treaty, a constitutional treaty, telling us how to regulate our businesses. And that's exactly what's happening in this treaty. This is a constitutional nightmare. I, it's, it's hard to read any provision within this treaty and find something constitutional. So when we get back from the break, we're going to get into the meat of this treaty because there's certain things that I need you to hear. And then there's certain things I need you to know so that we can work together to change this. As arrogant men tear up our constitution And from every direction we cry around You can't learn the easy way, you'll learn the hard way. Chris Ann Hall, she's Liberty's lobbyist. Welcome back to the Chris Ann Hall Daily Journal. One thing that this treaty does not mention, or this agreement does not mention, is the UN, UN, UN Small Arms Treaty. So make sure before they find a loophole that you go out and get your Liberty First gear so that you can talk about the right to keep and bear arms on your shirt. Don't just pontificate, educate. Get your Liberty First gear at chrisannhall.com. While you're carrying arms under your shirt. While you're carrying arms under your shirt, right? 
So, and, and I've been seeing a lot of comments about that, JC, about the loopholes. We all know they create loopholes, right? So of the treaties of the UN agreements that are mentioned, there's a whole laundry list of UN agreements that this, this UN MCA actually binds us to. So would you call this a constitutional abomination? I would call this a constitutional abomination. Um, absolutely, because it, it violates the Constitution in ways that the federal government is not delegated the authority to, to create laws on this, so they can't make treaties on it. Number two, that it sells the sovereignty. I, I don't want to use that word. Let me see. What's the better way to put that? It eliminates the representation of the people in creating laws. So let me get into this. So this, this treaty, if ratified would have a 16-year life. Now, I want you to understand, 16 years would bind Americans for 16 years unless we withdraw from that. Now, the, the one promising provision, which is different than the UN treaties, okay? UN treaties, as they're written in the... Uh, the, the ability to withdraw. The UN treaties always say, okay, here's the procedure that a country withdraws from the UN treaty. But any country that withdraws from the UN treaty uh, does not eliminate their obligations to the UN treaty. It's just ridiculous. So UN treaties, there is, no there is no withdrawal. You can withdraw, but you're still bound by the agreement, right? In, in, indefinitely. So this one actually allows people, allows us to get out. It just says you can get out of this agreement and uh, with six months notice, and once you give your notice, six months later, you're not in the agreement anymore. Mm -hmm. So that's one of the promising things. The dispute settlement, however, is very, very alarming. Now, the dispute settlement is several pages, so I'm just going to boil it down for you, okay? So two countries in this agreement, so it's between the United States, Mexico, and Canada. So let's say uh, Canada and the United States get into a disagreement about the United States carbon emissions because this is actually covered in the environmental section, right? And actually it binds us to um, Canadian law, okay? So um, where's that thing? It binds us to a provision of Canadian law called the uh, Montreal Protocol, okay? So if this agreement goes into signed treaty and our senators try to tell us that it's lawful, we already know it's not, but you know how things go because people don't know what the supremacy clause actually means. So we're bound to the Montreal Protocol on uh, environmental aspects. Mm -hmm. So Canada has a dispute with America, says you're not following the Montreal Protocol. So in that dispute, agreement, the dispute uh, agreement re resolution, we then sit down and we talk to each other. If we can't come to an agreement, what happens is a committee is formed. The committee is formed of five people, two American citizens, two Canadian citizens, and one person not related to the other two. So where would that come from when you have three countries in agreement? Mexico. So you're outnumbered Anytime you have a disagreement, you're outnumbered. Okay? So, not only that, what you have now, because these agreements are being applied on the American people, these laws, these four, let's just be very clear, foreign laws 
the uh, Montreal Protocol, the Marpole Convention, the Food and Agricultural Organization of the United Nations, the uh, with their codes of conduct and agreements, the the uh, UN um, uh, Land and Sea Treaty. We are now all bound to these things if the Senate. Well, we're all allegedly bound to these things if the Senate ratifies this, right? So these are all regulations that don't. They're not imposed on your senator, okay? They're not imposed on Washington, D.C. They're imposed on you and me, right, on the people. So what we're talking about is foreign law imposed on American people. That's the first problem. Through the USMCA. Through the USMCA. Problem number two, if we decide we don't like the, the Montreal Protocol, we have to either extract ourselves from the entire trade agreement, which would be a uh, a foreign relations nightmare, or well, once you're in, it'd be a total nightmare. You look at it's the same yeah. thing that's going on with Brexit now. Yeah, they were so entwined yes. with the European Union yes. now that now that they want to get and it, the United Nations. It's, it's an absolute mess. Yes, it is. It will be a complete foreign policy nightmare. Because once you get in, then they then they intertwine themselves yes. with every aspect of your of your. So let's say you have this disagreement about the Montreal Protocol. Maybe you just interpret the Montreal Protocol different than the Canadians do. So you can't come together and you can't make a mutual agreement with each other. So you have to create this committee of five. So what that means now, I just want to be clear about this because this is incredibly offensive to every principle of constitution and liberty. What that means now is five people elected by no one in America. Three of them, foreigners, will now create law to be imposed on the American public, on our environment, our water, our fisher, our, our fish and trade agreements, our steel agree, our steel trades, all of the all of the trades that are involved in this agreement will be regulated now by foreign law. So it's really kind of the, it's kind of like, you know, the problem we have with the Supreme Court. It like takes it to the next level. Yes. This is yes. if you're if you're upset about what the Supreme Court does and how out of control it is. Yeah, you got nine you have a majority of nine in the Supreme Court determining what where laws are. It's Remember the five. the crazy the crazy law professor from the University of North Carolina we talked about last time, right? Who believes that that our founders actually created the Supreme Court to make law for America. Now these five judges who, by the way, are actually citizens of the United States, who are actually appointed by people that we elect, who are actually subject, I know it, I know Jefferson said it was just a scarecrow and we're proving that to be true, subject to impeachment and removal from office by the people, right? To five people you did not elect, who are not controlled by you in any way, shape, or form, and three of them are foreigners. And so... This is, let me read this to you because this is part of this, this thing that I was talking about. Um, the, the Montreal Protocol and all of this other crazy, crazy stuff. You have. Why do for, you bring up the point that they're foreigners? Do you hate foreigners? Are you xenophobic? No. So what's the point? What do you say? You sound like that's a bad thing. 
Uh, because, because if foreign people are making laws on Americans, we're no longer a constitutional republic. A constitutional republic is where people are laws are made by people who represent the people who are elected to office to represent them. Foreign law is in history the destruction of the liberty and private property of the people. And they're not the same legal systems. It's not. The, yeah, principles. that's a really good point. They're not the same legal principles. They're not the same legal systems. They declare certain things to be rights that are not rights. They declare certain. Uh, and, and we know how this works, right? Everybody else has a different standard than the United Nations places on the, on America. So because, see, here's the problem. When foreigners are making laws, there's nothing to keep them from being arbitrary in the application of their laws, right? So because you have no recourse with them. It's one of the disagreements that our founders had when they were British subjects with their very own government because they said, look, if we don't have people elected from our continent representing us in parliament, then parliament doesn't represent us, us at all. They said, look, if they're over there on the island creating laws to be enforced over here on our continent and they never have to live under the laws they create, then they don't represent us. They only represent themselves. And then what you have is uh, arbitrary enforcement of, of laws under standards which are not according to our constitution, not according to our standards, not according to our principles, enforced upon us with complete, arbitrary, unchecked power. You think America is nuts today because we have lost sight of due process. Wait until foreign law starts taking over. So this is actually section, um, this is footnote five, and this is section 24.6 in the environmental section. Remember, that's the new section. It says, um, for greater certainty, this, this, provision of, of this provision pertains to ozone-depleting substances controlled by the Montreal Protocol on substances that deplete the ozone layer done in Montreal September 16, 1787, and any existing future amendments... 1987, uh, 1987 sorry. 1987, yeah, they were judging the ozone in 1787. In 1987, and any existing future amendments to the Montreal Protocol to which the parties are parties. A party shall be deemed in compliance with this provision if it maintains the measure or measures listed in the Annex 24A implementing its obligations under the Montreal Protocol. So the only way we can comply with the ozone layer protection section of this is to submit to Canadian law. That, that should be like so a moment under, for everybody. Under Mexican law. Under Mexican law, law, Canadian law, and, and, and the United Nations. And the United Nations. And the United Nations. Because I want, to, so I want us to remember, complete and total globalist. Well, I mean, because you're, you're, mm -hmm. they're no longer distinctions. Yes. No, rec, you're not really recognized distinctions in, in, the, in the legal framework. It's, right. This is total globalism. That's right. That's exactly right. When Barack Obama was president, he tried to push together, uh, push through the UN's uh, land sea treaty, land and sea treaty, and the Senate would not put it through. But now we have Donald Trump pushing through the same treaty through this Trojan horse, right? So the Senate tried to do it 
by itself. Now it's packed in a treaty promising jobs. Welcome back to the Chris Ann Hall Daily Journal. Remember, if you enjoy what you see, what you're hearing, when you're really, really learning from this, if you believe like we believe that nobody is bringing this these current events to you in a really nonpartisan, truthful kind of way. We're liberty over security, principle over party, truth over personality. I want to ask you to please take the time to support us. Uh, You can donate at chrisannhall.com. You support us by buying the Liberty First gear. We can't do this as a full-time job, researching this and bringing this to you without your support. So find a way to help us a few dollars a week, a few dollars a month, a few thousand a year, right? There's got to be some billionaires out there that need to throw away some money. So this is not throwing away money. This is preserving liberty. So I'm just, I'm making a plea to you to help us out in any way you can. Stop right now and click on our donate button at chrisannhall.com. While you're thinking about, while you're thinking this is amazing, Chrisanne, why aren't we seeing this anywhere else? You know why you need to support us. So to reiterate, you said it's hard to find anything constitutional in this. So someone says, is there a clause in there anywhere that might protect our sovereignty in any way? No, there is no there is no sovereignty protecting clause. Let me read this to you. Now, this is in the article 24.18. Are you ready for my all my you all my uh, agenda 21 people? Are you ready for this? The title of this section is sustainable fisheries management. All right. So let me read this to you. The instru- these instruments regarding the sustainable fisheries uh, may include, as they may apply, the United Nations Convention on Law of the Sea, uh, the United Nations Agreement on the impl- Implementation of the Provisions of the United Nations Convention on the Law of the Sea, uh, the Conservation and Management Straddling Fish Stocks and Highly Migratory Fish Stocks done by the United Nations, we also have the FAA co- FAO codes, which is the Food and Agricultural Organization of the UN. Now, the Food and Agricultural Organization of the UN is listed many times in here in anything that has to do with agricultural trade or food trade. And I'm, I'm, I'm just trying to show you how insidious. JC, this is, this is a Trojan horse. This is a Trojan horse of UN law, UN control, and UN power and authority over the people. If the United Nations is dictating to the American people how they run their businesses, how they raise their food, what food they can raise, what food they can sell, how they do that, we cannot be sovereign, okay? Why don't we, we at this point become members of the European Union without actually voting on that. And this is, this is like I said, there's, uh, 1,800 pages in this, and every single page includes some kind of, of provision that is an intrusion 
on the private property of the American people. Not only that, it is a complete, like you said, JC, complete constitutional abomination. There's even provisions in here where we agree to share with Mexico, Canada, and the United Nations information and metadata on American businesses. So surveillance, search not, and not seizure surveillance within the borders. Now we have mm -hmm. multi-country surveillance. That's right. They, Mexico and Canada gets gets to uh, spy on Americans in addition to their own government. Well, no, it's worse than that actually. Um, it's the American government spying on the American people without a warrant and then giving it to foreign countries. Right. So it's uh, it, it would be bad. And I suppose it, it, given the way this agreement is working, there's no reason why Canada or Mexico couldn't claim they have an authority to do this. But it's just the whole thing is the whole thing is absolutely crazy. Let me go ahead and we'll finish up uh, by I'll show you these sections. So now you have rules on agriculture, textiles and apparel sanitary and phytosanitary measures, uh, trade remedies, technical barriers, uh, I have no idea what that word means, temporary entry, cross-border trade and services, telecommunication, digital trade, intellectual property, competition policy, state-owned enterprises, uh, competitiveness, anti-corruption, good regulatory practices, and the list goes on and on. It's like the whole of government in a treaty, in a single treaty governed by five people that you never elected, three of which are foreigners. It's time to get your senator to stop this now. God bless you guys. See you next time.